Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. Pull up a chair while I take a deeper dive into the concerns for the team's present and future. Questions are always welcomed, whether on Twitter, Tim815 on the Anchor Contest Line, or on my Facebook, Pre-Arb Excellence Group. Thanks for stopping by for today's episode, Minor League Baseball and Hypocrisy, and ask me questions if I was confusing. I dig when people open their mouths, say something, and it makes them look like complete fools, complete idiots, complete liars, any anything in that range. When someone's past comments call question into their current comments, it's kind of amusing. And while Rob Manfred hasn't done anything today that annoyed me, Ken Rosenthal had an article today talking about how expansion may happen sooner than later in baseball. And part of what he was commenting on was it would be a way to give back, but adding two more major league teams would be a way to give back eight, uh, eight, city, uh, eight communities in the U.S. of A. minor league baseball. And again, this isn't a thing that Rob Manfred said today, but Ken Rosenthal said it, Maury Brown was reporting on it, and once in a while when I hear something, it takes root. And when it takes root, sometimes I think, you know what, there's something here. So I decided I would talk a little bit on a, on a podcast today about how something that has been stated by owners isn't necessarily, isn't likely accurate. And I'm going to frame it in a fashion so that it would probably appear that way. I'm going to float something that isn't going to happen. But if it did, in the way I would phrase it, the reactions of certain people would indicate that possibly actions that have recently been taken were taken for a different reason than stated. That sounds a little bit garbled, but I have to do a little bit of back, a little bit of back work, and then I'll explain the idea, and it should all make sense eventually. Have a cup of coffee. You'll be good. Um, This Friday is the day that major league teams can start to sign new international free agent talents. Cubs are likely to sign Christian Hernandez, a shortstop, uh, a couple other names. I looked at an article today that mentioned some of the names. Here, Daniel, Daniel, I'm going to spell his name, F-E-R-R-E-I-R-A. Ferreira, probably. Uh, he's an outfielder who's one of the players the Cubs are likely to sign. I looked up Daniel Ferreira on Twitter because that name doesn't sound like it's that popular, does it? There's like 87 people named Daniel Ferreira on Twitter. 
It doesn't seem like a name that would be that popular, but it is. But um, teams are going to be adding to their uh, stashes of minor league talent, and probably they they won't get to play until May or so. But uh, anytime there's new talent being added, it's a question of when should I do a podcast on it? When should I do added information on it? To be honest, I don't even subscribe to Baseball America. There are quite a few baseball news outlets that are worthy of subscriptions. But frankly, I'm at the point now where the amount of money that I have coming in is not particularly large, so there's not a whole lot of things I'm subscribing to. And some things that I'm subscribing to now, I might not be the next cycle around. Um, because COVID, it's not just uh, central division teams in the National League that are being hit by COVID. Everybody is. Um, but yeah, there is news that will be coming out on Friday. I will try to have a different podcast on each player that gets signed. There's really not going to be a whole lot of information. There really isn't. Because how much information can there be on players other than Christian Hernandez? Uh, there's a left-handed hitting catcher from Venezuela. There's Ferriera, the outfielder. There's a left-handed pitcher that is completely under the radar. Um, hmm. Well, yeah, we'll see. I'm not going to do a whole lot of pushing on stuff until it becomes official. But once it becomes official, I will try to let you guys know. Um, back to the topic at hand, though. As minor league affiliates were eliminated, teams were talking about how it's such an expense it's an expense to have those added teams. It's an expense. The expense was too much. And it, it, it's better for all of baseball if this expense is gotten rid of. So taking them at their word, the expense, the cost spent on having these added players is so expansive. It's so rich that, you know, right now we really can't handle it. And we have to get the prices down, uh, get the numbers down as far as prospects and organizations, because the cost of paying young players, oh, I don't know, $300, $400 a month to get better and make the organization, we, we can't afford that expense. So the problem is the expense. Why is the problem the expense? Because that's what the owners and the commissioner have said. The expense is too much. My idea today was, what if there was a way to create a situation where it would be shown that the expense isn't the problem? If anything else in the entire world is the problem, then Rob Manfred and his owners are not being entirely truthful. 
I'm just saying, you know, if, if it is, um, oh, I don't like reading this newspaper because the um, ink gets on my fingers and I don't like the, that's fine, that's fine, as long as that's the reason. Whatever the reason you give is, as long as that is the reason, there's no problem. There's no problem. If the reason you give is not the reason, then there's a problem. So I decided, is there a way that I can come up with a possibility that I could show a strong likelihood, I couldn't prove it, a strong likelihood that the expense of having added players wasn't the problem. If I could show that teams were willing to spend more on an affiliate than they were spending before, if it gave them an added benefit, it's not the expense of having the players. It's not wanting anyone else to get any advantage. See what I mean? It's not that the... I, I, I don't know what, $700,000 that the Cubs would spend on the Eugene Emeralds is a problem. It's that some teams in the league don't want other teams to have the advantage of being able to better develop talent than they do. If I can show that it wasn't the expense, but it was the fact that other teams got more benefit out of having minor league affiliates than they do, it's not the expense, it's the added benefit other teams get. Possibly for some people that might be a bit semantics, but for me, it's what I live for. If it's not the expense, then the liars and the owners, I, I honestly meant to say the owners, but I said the liars, I don't know why that came up. The owners and Rob Manfred are being possibly a little bit disingenuous. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I put effort and quality into each one to try to assure information you won't get as promptly or completely from other sources, and nobody else is going to go with this. If you have friends that might enjoy this sort of information delivery service on Deep Dive Cubs News, send them a link of an episode that might resonate with them, perhaps this. Hitting like, share, follow, retweet, or subscribe is also appreciated. Ask if you need assistance in sharing. Much of this podcast is assessing value. As you assess the value this podcast provides you, most podcast delivery systems allow a simple link for you to contribute to the podcast and your host in the fashion that is most applicable for you. Thanks for any and all levels of support. So, what what sort of methodology could one bring? And the, the cool part of this is it's a complete fabrication. So I can just invent stuff on the fly. And if I get you to think, you know what? I think, I think there might be some teams that might be willing to spend over $700,000 for a minor league affiliate if, 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 
it could help them get better than other teams. How would I do that? Recently, the Pioneer League was effectively scuttled, turned into a summer league. Appalachian League has been turned into a whole bunch of teams that aren't franchises anymore, and a college draft league for uh, C-plus grade, maybe even C-minus grade draft prospects for the third day. How about this? What if Rob Manfred, I love using Rob Manfred as a tool because Rob Manfred is a tool. What if Rob Manfred were to say, in 2022 through 2031, a 10-year span, a 10-year span, eight teams will be allowed to have one Appalachian League team. Ten teams will get one Appalachian League team. 30-man roster. Those 30 players get exempted from any sort of limits on rostered players in a pipeline. So if a team, if the official rules are you can have 180 players in a pipeline, if these 10 teams, no, these eight teams, if these eight teams that have an Appalachian League team, they have the 30 guys on their roster, their 180 player limit jumps to 210 immediately. If a player gets injured, he can be replaced by someone else, and that spot is also forgiven. These are 30 or even more, free roster spots. An expense. An expense, I mean. No, it's, it's not a benefit. It's an expense because that's what the owners have told us. It is an expense to have more players in an organization. Oh, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I missed You're not buying that either, are you? So, Let's call this Appalachian, we'll call it the Appalachian League still, we'll call it the Appy League. Eight teams get to have an additional Appalachian League team. 30 plus extra roster spots. Now we're going to make the Appy League a 100 game season. 100 game season. So these eight teams have 100 more games in their minor league pipeline than anybody else does. So eight teams get an Appalachian League team. 30 roster spots plus anybody who happens to get injured in the process. And the timing is such that the games are going to start in about May 1st, somewhere around there. May 1st, maybe a little bit after that. What's going to end up happening then Here's a really cool part. The Dominican Summer League starts in June. June 1st. Maybe it's late May. Who knows? Maybe Rob Manfred will change it because Mr. Baseball 1 always knows what's best for baseball. So, um, Dominican League teams start round 1st of June. What 
teams usually end up doing is sending a handful of players to extended spring training from the Dominican Summer League. Is this guy ready? Is this guy not ready? You can imagine there are some players who are 17, 18 years old who have never really played baseball outside of the Dominican Republic or Venezuela or Panama or wherever they're from. Whether they've played in the Dominican Summer League or not, they are on the verge of being ready to play in the United States. Maybe they've been in the Dominican League for a year. Maybe they've been in the Dominican League for two years. Maybe they haven't played in the Dominican League. But some players are just kind of on the cusp. Is this kid ready to step forward to be able to play in the United States or not? I'm not sure. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. Because it's really hard to tell until you've actually seen. So what has historically happened is players will be sent to extended spring training, which happens in basically uh, late April to the end of May, into, into early June until short season leagues would start, which of course don't really happen anymore. Um, and teams would assess how good is this player. If he's really good at the extended spring training level, oh, he, he definitely should stay in the United States because there's no point in sending him back to the Dominican Summer League. Some players are completely underwater in the DSL. They go back to the DSL. Then there are some guys who are completely right in between. And, you know, maybe it's a pitcher, maybe it's a hitter. He's not ready now today. But if we continue to get him to work on his game, maybe by the time games really start in July, he will be ready to contribute. You see how there's a whole lot of gray area there? Some guys are, oh, he's completely not ready yet. Some guys are, he is completely ready. And then there's somewhere, wow, this is a judgment call. This is a complete judgment call. Because some guys are not ready right now, but they might be ready in two or three weeks. Now you can send them to the D Dominican Summer League, and if they develop really well, they're doing really well at the DSL level, you can call them up later. That's possible. But, uh... And there are a number of different bins you can drop a player into. Some are completely ready. Some are not completely ready in any of the various different shades and stylings in between. So what's that have to do with an Appy League team? If these eight teams get a 100-game Appalachian League schedule, what 30 players do you think would be sent to the Appalachian League? Probably those 30 players that would get sent to the Appalachian League are 30 guys who would be immediately put into the extended spring training program. Maybe uh, 16 pitchers and 14 hitters. Maybe 16 hitters, 14 pitchers, however you want to do it. And as you want to make switches back and forth, it's completely fine. Because those are free roster spots now. In my world, these are free roster spots. 
So you have 30 extra free roster spots. And since you have those 30 free extra roster spots, you can call up a whole lot more guys from the Dominican Summer League and have them get a look in extended spring training. Instead of being down in the Dominican Summer League saying, gee, I'd sure like to be playing baseball right now against players who are better than I am so I can get better, they can actually get called up to the United States, start playing in Dominican Summer League games, and showing off whether they are ready to be ready for the Arizona League or the Gulf Coast League, either or. See how that might be of benefit to teams to have 30 extra roster spots for one month? So you get a couple of kids who, wow, he's not quite ready yet. So you send him back to the DSL. What's happened? He's had a month of playing regularly against pitchers from the USA. He's now seen much better breaking pitches than he was going to in the Dominican Summer League. He's seen pitchers with much better command than he would see in the Dominican Summer League. All of the players that were called up from the DSL to the USA to get a chance to get better in extended spring training, not all of them would, you know, some of them might get injured. Some of them might get completely blown away and no longer be able to play baseball anymore. But for a whole lot of them, whether they're going to play at the DSL level or whether they're going to play at the major uh, at the USA level, they all had a chance to get better. They all had a chance to get better. And if your development staff is any good, your talent is any good, every year you would probably benefit from it. And since you knew for 10 years you were going to be able to do this same darn thing every single year, would that alter your selection choices of international signings? It would for me. Hey, we got those, we got those 20 extra kids that we can, 20, 30 extra kids we can call from the Dominican Summer League. We might as well load up on a whole bunch of kids give them $10,000 a year, get them to the DSL, get them practice, get them worked out, have full, complete rosters at both of our DSL squads, and every year know that in May, 20, 30 extra kids are going to be able to come to the United States and work out Against, major, uh, against USA talent and see how good they are. Do you see how that might possibly improve a team's pipeline? Do you see how that might help? And again, it's, it, could help, it would help the Cubs, it would help the Mariners, it would help the Mets, it would help the Phillies, it would help the Yankees, it would help the Rays. Anytime you have an extra string of talented players, that get an extra look against talent that's just a little bit better than they are probably gives them an advantage in their development. But only if you are one of the eight teams 
that gets an Appalachian League squad. So, let's say my idea goes into play. It won't, it won't, it won't, it won't, it won't. Don't worry. It won't. If a team was allowed one extra 100-game schedule with 30 players that don't count against the limits, eight teams get that added benefit. But only if they make the largest bid, one of the eight largest bids, of the 30 teams in the league. How much do you think teams would be willing to pay for the opportunity to have a development edge over 22 teams? How much do you think the New York Yankees would offer to pay to have a development edge over 22 teams? How much do you think the Padres would offer to have a development edge over 22 teams. How much do you think the Cubs would offer? Do you think the White Sox would be in contention? Would Derek Jeter try? If the owners are right, if the owners are honest, if Rob Manfred has integrity, then the owners would say, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want those added development opportunities for our players. We don't want to be able to take an advantage over the other 22 teams in the league. We want everything to be even, Stephen, and fair. And it would be horrible of us to do something that would give us an advantage over another team. What's that I hear? Oh, somebody banging on a garbage can. Do you think owners would be willing to invest cash to get a development edge and a development advantage over 22 teams in the league? Do you think that amount would probably be a little bit more over a 10-year span than was currently being spent on Eugene Emeralds? I think the New York Yankees would probably give $40 million for the chance. <laughs> Maybe not that much, but they'd give a whole lot. Teams that realize the importance of developing their own talent. Heck, let's use the Cubs for an example. All the players they're getting in trades that are like 17, 18, 19 years old, they would be in that league. They would be having an entire league all to themselves. Hey, you got go out there, have fun. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe owners really don't want an advantage over other teams. But I think the way I saw it, owners that didn't want to invest in a sixth minor league affiliate maybe a seventh minor league affiliate. They didn't like that the Yankees have 300 minor league prospects. That's not fair. They have more than we do. Well, you could get more. 
but I don't really want to pay that much money. You see, it is the money. No, it's not the money. It's the advantage. It's the advantage. If someone else is really good at something, owners don't want them to be able to get away with it. Which is why when we have the draft, not only, not only, not only do the crappy teams get to draft first, they also get the most amount of spending money for the draft picks. When they set up an international draft, and you know they will, you know there's going to be an international draft in five or six years. How's the order going to be set, set up? Is it going to be run through some sort of a randomizer so that maybe this year it'll be the Giants that pick first and maybe this year it'll be the Indians that pick first or the Brewers or maybe the Cubs? or No, it's going to be based on crappy teams pick first, good teams pick last. Crappy teams get to spend the most, good teams get to spend the least because that's the way it works. Equalizing things. If you're good at something, you get punished. That's how it works. The teams that were bad at developing talent didn't like that the teams that were good at developing talent had extra teams that were giving them an advantage on developing talent. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think so. I'm quite confident it had very little to do with the actual amount of money being spent by the owners. Owners didn't like that they could, that if they mailed in an effort, it wouldn't get rewarded. Whereas other teams that were pot committed to making their organizations they best could possibly be, the Dodgers and the Rays who were in the World Series have two of the best minor league pipelines going. Well, well, well that's not fair. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Get better. Get better scouts. Get better coaches. Find ways to catch up. Tom Ricketts, he's not pot committed. He's not pot committed. A lot of owners aren't pot committed. The Reds are trying to trade Nick Castellanos. There's a whole lot of saying one thing when meaning another when it comes to the minor league reduction plan. It's not surely a case of, I don't want to spend that $700,000. It's more a case of, I don't want to spend that $700,000 when some of the other teams are spending that amount or possibly a bit more and getting a whole lot more value of it than we are. That's the way I see it. Teams that are bad at developing talent or at least weaker at developing talent than the elite teams said, take that advantage away from them. Deny them the opportunity to develop talent. After all, they're better at it than we are. I really think the premise of giving teams a chance at one added 
affiliate. With a whole bunch of roster advantages for having that um, affiliate added. If it were offered, which it won't be, if it were offered, there would be quite an interest, quite an interest from eight or nine or ten or twelve teams to take advantage of that, take advantage of the extra roster spots, take advantage of the extra development opportunities, and there would be a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of owners that would say, but, but that's not fair. If that's the case, it's not about the money. It's about owners being jealous, executives being jealous that other organizations are better at talent development than they are. And I have heard very few people say minor leagues were reduced because owners are jealous that other owners have better pipelines for developing talent. If I heard more people saying that, I would follow them on Twitter. Thanks for stopping by Pre-Arb Excellence. I'll have another podcast up soon as circumstances warrant. I'll attempt to have that worth your time as well. Be safe. Go Cubs, go. And be nice to people.